0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane.
1: And I'm Kevin Greenlee.
2: And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers
1: Tanya, what did we watch?
2: Well, Kevin, we just watched Death on the Nile. Now,
1: before we talk about it, I wanted to tell you that, like, about 30 years ago, (laughs) I went with a a friend of mine to see this uh, Elvis Impersonator concert, and it was was just really sad, and I've never really quite gotten over it. Oh. And, you know, that's why I I dress the way I do in my uh, Elvis Impersonator (laughs) outfits, To help me get over the sorrow of my past. But you were talking about this movie.
2: That must have been one hell of an Elvis impersonator to do such a number on you. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I don't even know how I can follow that up. (laughs) I guess that's the end of the review. Bye, everybody.
1: (laughs) Give us your five-star final.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: I'm holding the envelope to my (laughs) forehead. Uh, A really badly done movie with lots of bad choices. (laughs) And the answer is, what is Death on the (laughs) Nile? Because a large part of this takes place, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but a large part of it takes place on a boat named Karnak, which is, of course, the name of a classic uh, Johnny Carson character, Karnak the Magnificent. (laughs) And I think I missed it. I think he'd give you the answer yeah. before he'd give the question.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so you're really sunk right now. <laughs> yes. So
1: what is death on the Nile? Oh and the answer God. is...
2: Bad. Bad. Uh, very bad. I, so I'll confess, I have not seen the train version of this movie, a.k.a. Murder on the Orient Express. We watched the 1970s We, we watched version. the
1: uh, Albert Finney version.
2: Yeah, which, you know, I think you thought was meh. I thought was Okay. I think I enjoyed well, it. Well, I got to tell you,
1: it's looking better to me now. Yeah,
2: I know, right? Now, now I think you're probably looking back and saying, that's the Citizen Kane of uh, Agatha Christie adaptations compared to this.
1: <laughs> Albert Finney was a fine peru. He
2: was, Yeah, he seemed intelligent and fastidious and finicky. This guy just seemed like, why does Kenneth Branagh have this big mustache?
1: Well, we know now.
2: <laughs> oh oh no I really walked into it. So tell okay. us. Okay. The
1: movie begins.
2: No, no. Let me just preface this by saying let me preface this. You know guys, how every movie nowadays, or at least in the earlier two thousands, I thought we'd come out of this, but you know how every movie, uh, the main character, if they're a little weird or they have like, you know, they have to have this tragic backstory to explain how that? They, why they're so mean, or why they're so smart, or you know, everything has to be this tragic, dumb backstory. Well, what if I told you that Hercule Poirot, Poirot excuse me, Poirot's mustache also had a gritty origin story? Take it away, Kevin.
1: So during World War One, <laughs> a really awkwardly oh, computer de-aged Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> Uh, is involved. He gets injured by mortar. It's a drawn out sequence. Oh yeah. Goes he gets he, he injured. He, and he's wounded in the face. And his uh, girlfriend comes to see him in the hospital. She sees his horribly ravaged face, and she says, "Well, just grow a big, ugly mustache. <laughs> That'll solve everything.
2: <laughs> that won't call attention to it. Uh, yeah. So uh, you didn't know you needed it, folks. But Poirot's Mustache has its own tragic backstory. I never, never thought we'd come to this place as a fucking society, but here, that's where we are. Why can't he just have? Why can't he just be a weird guy with a fucking mustache? Also, I'm not trying to be finicky. I, I, I'm not the biggest Agatha Christie fan, to be honest. You'd, you'd think otherwise from knowing me, but I, I, I they're, they're, not my favorites. I like some of the books. Some of them, I'm like, eh. But I, I, I feel like why. I, I'm not be. I'm. I'm to, that is to say, I'm not a purist. I'm not a purist about these things. But she was publishing these books not long after World War One. The guy was already supposed to be fucking old by that point. So why did they feel the need to do this?
1: Oh, I'm sure he was a spring chicken. How old was he?
2: He's supposed to be elderly.
1: When when did he uh, die? I don't know. He died, of course, in Curtin. Which uh, she wrote in the '40s, but I believe it wasn't published to the '70s.
2: How would he die?
1: Well, he killed himself, obviously.
2: What? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, seriously? <laughs> oh my god!
1: Spoiler alert! Oh my god! Because remember, she published uh, the last episodes in the life of her main characters, uh, Miss Marple, and how uh, does he? Ki- Rowe. What
2: happened? That's awful.
1: It's one of the few uh, Agatha Christie books I ever read.
2: That's an insane choice on her part, Jesus. This fucking movie is just, I mean, I don't know. I, ugh, we didn't we didn't need we didn't need the mustache tragedy. I guess that's what I'm saying. There's enough going on here. We just didn't need it.
1: He stops uh, Poirot in the last book, spoiler alert. He kills a man and then stops taking his own heart medicine, which he knows it will uh, cause his death.
2: My god, that's depressing. Puts yeah. the mustache backstory
1: to shame. So then this, he takes his, this this girlfriend says, just grow a mustache. And then she, she uh, leaves. And he says, I'd, I'd love for you to take a train and come see me on Christmas. You know, very nice romantic idea. And she takes the train to come see him on Christmas and she dies horribly in a train accident. Mm-hmm. So the mustache, this garish mustache he wears becomes like the tangible symbol of his guilt for all the people he's let down and so it's a sign that he's mentally unwell
2: it's so dumb it's so dumb they could have just not done this that's all i'm trying to say they could have just chosen to not do this
1: but you say that but if they'd taken it out wouldn't the movie have been shorter and more streamlined and more interesting? Letter,
2: because you made a good point as we were leaving. So the opening is like, you know, Belgian, you know, World War One, and then we go to London, and then we go to the Nile six months later, and it's like, we're, we're zipping around. Can't we just cut some of the shit out? Start on the goddamn Nile. It's called Death on the Nile for a reason. We don't want to go to London. We want to go to fucking Egypt.
1: The first... Uh... I'm guessing the first hour, hour and a half of this is basically a really tedious character study of a bunch of unlikable rich people taking a boat ride together. Okay,
2: well that's that's the Agatha Christie novel,
1: and <laughs> with a bunch of really bad CGI effects in the background. Yeah,
2: the CGI kind of sucked. I, I liked some of. Okay, oh, okay. Let's. So basically, the the setup, and we're gonna talk about that dance scene in a second. Okay, but. The setup is basically for the mystery. is uh, There's this young couple. It's played by uh, Gal Gadot, a.k.a. the woman from that Imagine video, and Army Hammer, a.k.a. Yikes, and <laughs> a.k.a. removed from the marketing material for this movie. And they are basically, uh, they're in love. They're on a honeymoon, so naturally they want to bring a bunch of their annoying old relatives slash previous love interests along with them. To Egypt for a honeymoon,
1: and and let's also say this movie, the bulk of the movie, other than the the World War One sequence, the bulk of the movie uh, ostensibly takes place in 1937. Yes, but it's like an alternate universe 1937 where things seem more modern and chic than like anything in like downtown Indianapolis today.
2: (laughs) I mean, that's it's Indianapolis, baby.
1: (laughs) Maybe even like downtown Manhattan. Okay, now it's a very modern, (laughs) very modern look to this movie. The people are wearing modern-looking clothes and fashions. There's a couple of uh, older women who are dressed slightly dowdy.
2: Can I can I say that this gave me a wonderful image? What if we to celebrate our passionate love story? What if we invited a bunch of people? we don't really like or we've had issues with in the past, invited them on this big dumb barge in the creek behind our house <laughs> and then invited some guy with a mustache just to fuck with us all. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> that would be the death on the canal. Yeah! <laughs> I can, see, I can I can could be pouring I could be pouring seltzer into the water and be like, "There's enough seltzer to fill the Indianapolis Canal." See, <laughs> you
1: know? I can't even ask you anything about that without making you name who you'd invite.
2: I know I don't want to name anybody because then you know if they happen to listen to this, they might be offended. Well, that would never happen. No, that's true. None of them, I don't think anyone. We know listens to this because they're too embarrassed for us, but um, yeah. But we, I'm sure we could we could think of a few people
1: because <laughs> they get married and at the honeymoon, they they take a trip with a bunch of other people and pay all their expenses.
2: Yeah, it's like the opposite of what you should do with your wedding slash honeymoon. Your honeymoon is supposed to be to get the fuck away from everyone so you could have a lot of sex, and like have fun. <laughs> Like, well, is,
1: isn't having a lot of sex having fun? Well,
2: that. But, like, a like, <laughs> little couple activities as well. Like sex. Yeah. And also other things. Like what? Like seeing Niagara Falls. <laughs> but, I mean, in this case, it's, like, all the all the shittiness that comes with a wedding, but just extended. And also, you're in Egypt. I mean... I, it didn't make any sense. And also, it's not like they invited a really fun young crowd. It's like a lot of old people. So, I mean, I'm not that old people can't be fun, but, I mean, it just, it doesn't make any sense. Why would these people want to, these people all have lives that they invited. Why would they want to come? Wouldn't you be like, uh I don't know. I just thought it was weird.
1: So, like, if one of your, do you have any friends that if they got married, you say, Kevin? Let's take, I'm going to take a break from work. I want you to take a break from everything you're doing. Our podcasts, forget about fuck it. our
2: podcast listeners. That's what I say. I mean, you know, I feel bad about the murder sheet people, but those mystery to me people can go fuck themselves. That's how I talk about it. you guys behind your backs.
1: <laughs> She's really a monster.
2: Yeah, it's true.
1: Yeah, you notice I'm not laughing. <laughs> if if I love a, you
2: guys. I love you. I'm just If this is a kidding. video
1: podcast, you see me blinking in uh, Morse code.
2: your listeners can't save you now Kevin. <laughs> Guys, I love you. Thank you for listening. I we we, we love and respect you. I'm just But kidding. but
1: can you imagine anyone for whom you'd want to walk away from your life?
2: No. I mean, take listen, long- I'm 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 a I'm a basic bitch, so obviously going on a on a cruise that immediately sounds like it's going to be a murder cruise, there's some appeal there. You know, as long as I don't get murdered, that might be interesting but I, and also opulent, they have little tiny pastries. Okay. Yes. I don't, I'm an alcoholic, so I can't enjoy all that champagne, but, uh, and I mean, it doesn't sound like anyone else can if they're using it to fill the Nile, <laughs> but I think that generally that would be interesting, but I wouldn't want to do it in someone's like big romantic. It, just, it, it would sound like bad news. And also we have jobs. So yeah, definitely not.
1: So why is it like little tiny things? Why is that? Opulent? Cause they're like
2: little cute guys.
1: Because I'll note, uh, we're recording this a couple of days after Valentine's Day, and you said, Kevin, let's go to this this restaurant, this fondue restaurant, where we'll get lots of little tiny bits of food. And when it came, the bill was like $3,000.
2: Oh, the place that rhymes with the pelting (laughs) moth? Shakes my head. Shakes my fist.
1: So why is that sort of thing considered opulent? And would you do like a murder mystery no, at not, the melting pot? It's not
2: pot? opulent because they're tiny. They just get a lot of little, little pastries, and they're like all delicately made, and they're all like different flavors. So that looked opulent. I like that.
1: Would, would the melting pot fondue restaurant have been like a good place for like a murder?
2: <laughs> Jesus Christ.
1: Like a murder mystery, acting the Christie style?
2: Honestly, I'm sure there's a cozy mystery out there with, with a theme of fondue, and I'm going to try to find it right now and then get embarrassed when I can't. Fondue murder mystery. <laughs> oh, jeez, I'm good. Final fondue, a five-ingredient mystery book. And also, fondue frolic, a cozy mur- murder mystery. Free advertising for these people. Um. Yeah, so, Uh. yeah, I, I could imagine there being a fondue murder, but, I mean, that's less opulent than a Nile Barge murder, let's be honest. I went through, I don't know about you, I went through a real Egypt phase in high school. I read all these books about Egypt. Ancient Egypt, I was interested in it. I don't know why. I think I liked, I had a crush on Indiana Jones from Raiders of the Lost Ark when I was a kid, so that's probably probably informed it someone, but anyways it was yeah it's fascinating
1: <laughs> this far off look in your eyes and i
2: also actually studied the the fatimid caliphate in in college in one class that was like my term paper so interesting very interesting history as as you all can imagine so you know obviously you're seeing it through the eyes of like a fancy lady from britain in the Early 20th century, so you know you're getting kind of that wasn't her
1: husband like an archaeologist?
2: Yes. Her husband her she ditched her husband who was cheating on her, who was like an airman, and then she fell in love with an archaeologist. So good for her. But um
1: So he was an heir?
2: He was an airman.
1: He was an heir to a man?
2: <laughs> he was a pilot.
1: <laughs>
0: this episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery.
2: She, like, gone-girled herself, essentially, to get the hell away from him. Uh, that's, that's her famous disappearance. Because he, he was stressing her out so much.
0: Now, why are you looking
2: nervous? <laughs> 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 Look at me with your big brown eyes. Uh, honey gets dressed sometimes too. I hope she doesn't go and disappear to a spa for an entire weekend. Cause a stir.
1: Yeah, what was it in the 20s with, like, people disappearing? Because didn't uh, Amy Simple McPherson also do that?
2: Who, who the hell's that? <laughs> yes, Amy Simple
1: McPherson. <laughs> of course. Didn't she am my, my misremembering?
2: I really, I I think that, I think that I would, I would probably, I think it would be harder to disappear nowadays, but I think I could probably, I think if anybody out of all of us was going to Gone Girl themselves and, and frame their A spouse for murder, it would be me.
1: How would you do it? How would you frame it? I'm not going to tell
2: you because then you'll know my little tricks and you'll be able to tell the detectives everything you know. You'll have recorded and I'll have put it out there for consumption. So, no, I'm not going to discuss. I'm just saying I have the wherewithal and I have the capacity for vindictiveness. (laughs) I'm a lovely person, is what I'm saying.
1: So, you're saying that if you get a little bit upset with me.
2: No, I didn't say that. Spoiler alert, in Gone Girl she only does it after he uh, has a fling.
1: So if I cheat on you, yeah. you're framing me for your own murder.
2: <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'm just saying I related a little bit. I was like I was like, yeah. Mhm. I, I again, I probably make some dumb mistake and get caught, but I guess the answer is don't cheat on me. <laughs> god this this movie this movie was i i really so i'm more amenable to like a fancy little setting than you are but i wanted to like it just you know like okay yes like a barge we're going on a fancy cruise down the nile and someone's gonna kill everybody love it so i was disappointed in this flick but
1: it was about what i expected
2: let's talk about the 800,000-pound crocodile in the room. I, that's that's not the right number. I don't know. I'm terrible at numbers. Let's talk about the dance scene in the beginning, because I want to talk about that. This sort of sets a bad tone. So the first, like, quote-unquote modern-day scene, Poirot wanders into a blues club. Okay, fine, whatever. That's Yeah, I mean, I think that's actually how the book start, so I'm not entirely sure about that, but... Um, Did you read the book? No, I didn't, I didn't, but that that sounds familiar for some reason and he sees these this couple dancing and they're dancing like a sexy dance like they're all up in each other's business they both look very you know this like,
1: this isn't 1937 sexy
2: no, this is not 1937 sexy at all. And like listen, I'm not trying to be a like I don't give a shit at some level, but like it just takes you out of it cuz you're like this is these are like kids grinding essentially. I mean, and also I saw there there was some I forget who who said this, but I saw it on Twitter and like I was like this is this is one of those situations. It was like these faces have seen an iPhone. They don't look like they're they don't look like old-timey people. They look thoroughly modern and they're dancing in a very modern, sexual way. They're like legs legs akimbo, legs up in the air, uh, you know, grinding on one another. Listen, I, I, I like when the past is depicted as messy and sexual, and, you know, people were people back then, and they had their own sexy dances. It's not that everything should be sterile or proper or anything, but I think a little bit of research probably could have given you some good dance styles from the time that would have been... So you
1: like old-time sexiness?
2: I'm fine with it, but this was over the top.
1: What, what's some good old-time sexiness?
2: It's the difference between working out and getting a bit muscular and taking steroids, right? You know, it's too much. Um,
1: old-time sexiness for you is that, like, lots of big hoop skirts and parasols <laughs> and, like, minuets? Is that sort of shit you find sexy?
2: Are you telling me you didn't enjoy Valentine's Day? <laughs> Is this your passive, aggressive way of telling me that you didn't like me coming in in my big hoop skirt, parasol combo?
1: Your little southern uh, accent, your little Scarlett O'Hara routine. but We probably shouldn't be telling people about our private life.
2: (laughs) That sounds terrible. I don't want to be a racist plantation owner. Yeah, that's so sexy, babe. (laughs) No, I, like, it's just. I like when, you know, sometimes like people have this stupid idea that like the past was very like innocent or quaint or, you know, like they have, you know, it's just like, because, oh, you know, people weren't sexual crazy beings back then. So
1: like good old time sexiness, would that be like uh, in Caligula?
2: I've never seen that movie and I know (laughs) what you're implying though. So no. (laughs) It's realistic for people. People were always people have always been sexual and and i don't even just mean that but like messy i mean like like a lot of times old timey things are are you know oh you know ind- indeed sir and everyone's like tipping their top hat D- not everything has to be that but this was just very over the top and then so basically we one so gal gadot comes in and steals army hammer away from this other woman who i don't know and in basically, the other woman and Army Hammer are engaged, and then Gal Gadot shows up, and the woman's like, "Well, thanks for hiring my fiance. As a treat, why does why don't I let him take you out for a spin on the dance floor?" And he proceeds to put his face in her crotch as part of the dance move, which like yeah, that sounds period accurate. <laughs> Good lord, and then. <laughs> And then we cut to, and now Gal Gadot and Army Hammer are getting, they've already married and now they're, they're going on this sad, uh, multi-person honeymoon situation. So you're like, okay, that's awkward. Oh, and the other lady is continuing to follow them around as they go on their honeymoon. Meanwhile, we're informed that Gal Gadot is like a millionaire heiress. So I'm like, I'm sorry. So they, she couldn't like either pay off local police or like hire some fucking Pinkertons. To beat this woman's ass until she left? Come on. This is this is the thirties. She could she could take care of this, I think.
1: Not everybody uses the same methods you did. (laughs) Whenever you have a little problem, you say, Kevin, let's just hire the Pinkertons. They can do our dishes. (laughs) They (laughs) can walk the dog. They can bash (laughs) some heads.
2: Sounds like a really bad, like sitcom. My favorite Pinkertons. (laughs) I'm just saying it just seemed like they were very accepting of this woman stalking them around their honeymoon.
1: I think if if you ever fake your murder and try to frame me, you'll probably rely too much on your Pinkerton buddies.
2: You'd see a bunch of guys in trench coats with hats and (laughs) running down the street and you'll know something's up. I, I just, I don't know. It didn't, okay, if, if we on our honeymoon have been stalked by somebody, well, let's actually not go down that route.
1: don't no, go, go down that <laughs> route. I want to see where this goes. I don't know. I want to see where this goes. I don't know. <laughs> so one of your old flames is yeah, stalking us on our my, honeymoon?
2: One of my old flames who definitely exists, uh, stalking us, shows up as dressed in a sensual red suit and walking around, barging into our Egyptian ballroom. Don't you think we'd... Where you
1: and I are dancing very respectfully and tastefully yeah. on the dance floor.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then don't you think we'd react... Whenever
1: well- we go out on the dance floor, you always whisper in my ear, remember, don't put your head in my crotch. <laughs> <laughs> like you think I'm going to forget.
2: After that first time, you know, I, I should realize that you'll never forget.
1: We weren't dancing, then I was just bringing you lunch.
2: (laughs) You tripped? What does that even mean? (laughs) You just tripped and things got crazy. No, it's like, it's, I don't know. It just, it didn't seem like they were like, oh, no. Like, it was almost like, it was like they were teens at the mall and they couldn't escape running into his ex because she worked at the food court where they needed to eat. Like, it wasn't, like, they didn't act like people who had a shit ton of money and could just be like, well, I guess we'll just... Like it, it, it just seems stupid. Anyways, I mean, again, like some of these are baked into the plot, but just the handling of it just felt ridiculous. So anyway, they get the idea. Well, let's fuck off. We'll, we'll, we'll like leave this fancy Egyptian hotel we're in, and we'll take all our guests on this exclusive boat ride down that without
1: aisle. even telling them first. But it's okay because we'll have our maid go into each of their rooms and pack up all their things for them,
2: <laughs> as one does.
1: See, I wouldn't care for that.
2: No. I, yeah, but, like, she's looking through all our shit.
1: Because we have some things in our luggage that we don't want the maid to see.
2: Yeah. All those drugs. <laughs> yeah, it, it, we, yeah, I would, without asking everybody's permission, just, it, shit's fucked up. And so, they, they're all in this boat now, and, like, I guess, I, I, I don't even,
1: and it just goes on. So many
2: people. Russell Brand's there for some reason. Oh, who
1: was Russell Brand?
2: He was the doctor.
1: Oh. Yeah, so that, yeah. I, 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 we don't really need to go into...
2: <laughs> I don't want to go into all of them. They're just boring.
1: Yeah, the movie wasn't good. We would
2: have picked way better people for our Indianapolis Canal Cruise. Don't worry, guys. It would have been a bunch of characters. I won't name in case they listen.
1: Do you think there are characters we could have picked from our own lives, one of whom would have been likely to kill one of us?
2: Yes. Yes! Yes!
1: I know there's a lot of people in your life who are desperate to kill you.
2: (laughs) Go fuck yourself. You'd be lost without me.
1: That's true. I'd be completely lost without you.
2: You'd be making, like, Cleopatra and reaching for the poisonous asps. I was trying to figure out who died first and it was, it was Mark Antony. So I guess that makes you Cleopatra in this scenario. <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, I was like one of my, this was also probably a reason I got into Egypt. There was this series of books called, I don't even remember what the, I think there was called the Royal Diary series. And one of them was Cleopatra and it was packed with fucking drama. And my dumb ass child self thought for a while that those diaries were real (laughs) that these people actually kept diaries (laughs) i'm such a dumbass
1: they were being released for children
2: yes i was really dumb still am in many ways i don't know whether i like thought that with conviction or i just assumed it was real (laughs) so dumb and then later on, I started reading. How it.
1: did you find out? Like, I, when you, were you using them as sources for college no, papers? No, I
2: wasn't. Look, yeah, it was last year. I embarrassed myself at a work meeting. No, I. I think when I when I was I would like start reading it back, and I'd be like, "Who's this author that lives in like New York City?" And then I was like, "Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I was not a bright kid, but at least I didn't sell lemonade for two cents a cup."
1: What an oddly specific put down that is.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, it wasn't even lemonade; it was Kool Aid.
1: When I was a young man, <laughs> uh, I thought I'd make
2: a make a quick buck.
1: Make a quick buck by selling fifty <laughs> cups of uh, Kool Aid. <laughs> and this was so noteworthy that it, that it was commented upon in the popular press of the day.
2: Aww, Kevin got his little picture in the newspaper. It was actually right before the Jonestown massacre. So, but anyway, you know, I
1: mean, people died.
2: I know people died. I'm just saying. Dang. Also, weird connection. Jim Jones had a church in Indianapolis. So, this town is cursed, folks.
1: And uh, Manson had a connection here too.
2: Yeah, it's it's fucked.
1: And the most chilling thing is, you live here now. <laughs>
2: You've lived here longer, so you've had much more time to leave your stain on this town.
1: So this is what this movie has reduced us to. Yeah, we're gonna kill we're, mad, each other. we're madly in love with each other. We both think the other person is wonderful, and we're just snapping at each other.
2: Even though we don't, even though we we, we do love each other, even don't we? Blah, 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 blah. We do love each other, even though we don't do uh, highly sexualized dances at blues clubs in public.
1: It, we do those in the privacy of our own home. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think we do, Kevin. <laughs> unless, unless you've been fighting someone over <laughs> to listen to your blues. Right?
1: Why, why are you winking at me?
2: <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so what? What? Okay, so let's let's speed this cruise along. <laughs> We've been talking for thirty minutes. What did you make of? Uh, Kenneth Branagh's Poirot.
1: It wasn't very good.
2: No, I didn't. Wouldn't you, you summed it up well in the car.
1: Uh, I said it stunk.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Stunk more than an improperly mummified pharaoh. No, what, 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 like, did you, you said he, he didn't seem smart.
1: I, I say he didn't seem to convey, uh, an intelligence that you would expect to find in a detective of that caliber. Uh, you said that uh, he was too emotional. You hate it when a man is emotional. No, I don't
2: hate it when a man is emotional. But everyone, it's just, it's like oh, the whole movie, everyone's like, you're so, you're you're such a robot. You don't care about real people. And then like, imbe- like every time something bad happens, he's like looking upset or tearing up. And it's like, why is everyone mad at him about this? You know, I mean, so I, I felt like, I felt like they tried, you know, you read in an article that the whole stupid mustache tragedy backstory was to humanize Poirot, and I think that impulse isn't necessarily bad, but I think you have to be subtle about doing that, or the character loses some of what makes him interesting, which is that he's kind of a cold fish, and very finicky, and very fastidious, and mostly just cares about his little cases. So if you're gonna, you shouldn't like like if if the, that's what compels people about the character and that's what makes them want to see him solve the mystery it, maybe maybe don't like overdo it with the like he has a tragic past his mustache has a tragic past he lost his future wife he wanted to be a farmer once he went he served in the war and it's like okay we we, we don't need all of that like it almost condescends to the audience like you're not going to care about this guy unless his mustache had a sad story in his past it's like Like, we can just enjoy a fun mystery and, like, have him get upset when it's... But you forget. Uh Uh-huh. This
1: is not fun.
2: That's what I mean. But, like, it takes away from it.
1: Yeah.
2: And it's trying to make some big statement about love. Love makes people crazy. Okay. Wow, that's really deep. (laughs) Love makes people make bad decisions. Whoa! Slow down, Poirot! (laughs) (laughs) And it doesn't even make any sense because he lost his love in some sort of tragic accident. And all the the movie's about, it's kind of about people making selfish decisions based on love. He didn't lose his love over some selfish decision. It was just a tragedy.
1: Well, I guess if he didn't love her, he wouldn't have asked her to come see him on Christmas. So so it's all his fault.
2: It's not, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) You're like looking down pointedly. (laughs) It doesn't, it doesn't resonate thematically, frankly, and it just kind of feels tacked on to give him a big sad to think about. They fridged his fake girlfriend that was never in the books, as far as I know. They did. It's like they invented this woman out of whole cloth, killed her with an off-screen train accident just to make him sad. Wouldn't it have been more interesting, almost? Just... Wouldn't have been more interesting if he had been just kind of there as a complete, he still has a mysterious past. We don't know what he's all about. He seems to have this connection with the blues singer, but he's not really acting upon it. And he's just almost like this great detective who's sort of a little bit baffled by all these love goings on. And it's maybe because he doesn't understand human emotion to the, the, what is this
1: thing you speak of this love?
2: Exactly. Maybe he's, maybe that's kind of slowing him down a bit as opposed to just like, I'm sad too. Sometimes (laughs) like, I don't want to see, I don't want to see it. I just, that's, it, it, it makes the character seem kind of less interesting.
1: So you don't want me to tell you the tragedy behind my haircut.
2: Oh, Kevin, I can see it. It's right on your head. (laughs) The tragedy is the haircut. Oh no, I'm just kidding. I love your hair. Even though you treat it very poorly sometimes. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Grown adult man.
1: (laughs) You make it sound like I tell my hair it's bad and spank it.
2: What? Is that a confession? (laughs) Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, just the character, the, the, Al, the Albert Finney Poirot seemed a lot more to have his shit together and a lot more what you would expect from the character. And I think the, that film benefited from that because it wasn't this, they didn't have to go back to Albert Finney's dark past. Oh, what, what happened? And, you know, his parents were kind of mean to him. That, you know, tells us all about what we need to know about the murder on the Orient Express. This It just trusted the audience to be like, hey, it's this quirky, weird guy with a mustache. Wonder what he's all about. Let's see what he's doing. This is, you know, just this overly emotional bullshit. It makes the film feel soggy. Soggy as a scarf wrapped around a gun and dunked in the Nile. <laughs> if you had to go on a murder cruise, Kevin, what river would you want to go down? You can't say the canal because I already said that. And it's not a river also. The Potomac. Oh, Interesting. Why?
1: Also, it's a political drama.
2: I like that.
1: I you like sound that. shocked that I had a good idea.
2: No, I'm just intrigued. It's a great, it's a good river. It's a good location, D.C., fun city, important city.
1: be a much more interesting mystery than your little canal thing.
2: <laughs> well, I just wanted to personalize it. Excuse me.
1: I think people are like a farce.
2: Yes, I know. That's why I said it. It was a joke, Kevin.
1: Well, pardon me for taking things more seriously.
2: You're just like Poirot. Now there's tears in your eyes because you don't understand love. <laughs> no, I. Well, you. You know what would be fun? You. Well, not maybe. Fun's the wrong word. You could start. You could do the Hudson, start start upstate, and then go down into New York City it's the grand finale. Or maybe, yeah. I did that,
1: or you could do like a very short one on the Maid of the Mist from Niagara Falls. <laughs>
2: God damn. Just the Maid of the Mist, but it just keeps circling.
1: Because that's like a fifteen minute ride.
2: Pretty quick murder, but honestly,
1: it would have been a blessing in this thing. Yeah,
2: let's get it wrapped up, folks.
1: Sis boom ba. Describe the sound a sheep makes when it explodes says here that's the longest laugh Karnak magnificent ever got
2: are, are you having a stroke
1: <laughs> we were talking about Karnak the magnificent at the beginning of this right so that's that's the that's the longest sis boom um, ba and the question is describe the sound a sheep makes when it explodes
2: I guess humor just evolves over time.
1: the <laughs> Magnificent. Johnny Carson. Comic legend.
2: Okay. Are you a big Johnny Carson fan? Who isn't? I think we need to take this review in our jaws like a crocodile, and then drag it under the Nile, and then roll it around in a death roll. Get just fucking get it done also i that might be alligators i don't really know i know the general difference but
1: i, I think we just need to We just
2: need to chomp it down so
1: what's your final five star
2: no i know i'm gonna i'm gonna tell i'm gonna we gotta tell them the plot this is what people are this is what people are listening for
1: nobody's listening to mystery to me for the plot well,
2: i think if i listened to it and i didn't we i we didn't explain what the fuck we were talking about i'd just be like these people are just sitting around bitching all day
1: isn't that basically the whole appeal of the show well, I mean, appeal is a strong word. Yeah,
2: appeal is a strong word.
1: So you, so in your mind, there are people who downloaded this and are like at the edge of this. There's like 40 minutes in, saying, "Oh, I, I'm going to hang on because they're going to give me this plot." <laughs> and your big start of the plot was in Death of the Nile. A lot of people died. That's what they were waiting for.
2: I guess the Nile's not just a river in Egypt. <laughs>
1: And you had the gall to mock Bah.
2: I don't get that. And Karnak the Magnificent sounds racist, frankly. (laughs) So you're the one who should be embarrassed, sir. Now, okay. Wonder Woman dies. She gets shot in the head. She's the original death. Also, someone tried to kill her before, but whatever. Then the maid, who's played by Jon Snow's girlfriend from Game of Thrones, gets murdered in a gruesome way where her body gets all stretched out by the wheel. Ugh. Then, finally, as he's being interrogated by Poirot himself, Poirot's little friend, who we've kind of grown, you know, like, oh, he's his little buddy, and his mom's on the thing, and he wants to marry this lady, even though it's, you know, like, it, it...
1: See, I was right. We should have just ended it.
2: Yeah. We should have just ended it. A bunch of people die. Who were who, who the killers? Let's unveil these people.
1: It was, it was the first couple.
2: The first couple, the sexy dancers, the first sexy dancers, the first sexy dancers, they the t- sexy dancers, people who were auditioning for Dancing with the Stars, uh, Army Hammer and some other lady with short hair, or whatever. They it was all a plot to basically marry Gal Gadot, get her money, murder her, and then have the the husband go back to his original lady and be like, uh, "I had an alibi for when she was killed, so no one can arrest me." Ha ha. So it was all scheme. It ends, and then it inexplicably ends instead of on the Nile. You know, they're taking all these mummified bodies out. You know, cool. Instead of ending there, just ending it, they go back to the blues club. And then Poirot turns to face the camera. He shaved his mustache off, showing his uh, scar, which didn't appear under his mustache, but then appears when he shaves it off.
1: So Army Hammer gets this attractive woman of great wealth to fall in love with him. She's crazy about him, lavishes all sorts of money on him, give him anything he wants. So why didn't you stay with her and have a discreet affair with the other woman?
2: That's what a gentleman would have done. But Army Hammer is no gentleman. <laughs> what we've all found... Yeah, it didn't make any sense. It seemed ridiculous. And also, we're led to believe that Gal Gadot is a relatively sharp businesswoman who, like, checks all her contracts and is kind of, like, you know, suspicious of stuff. So, I don't know. Like, you'd think she wouldn't marry a guy in six weeks.
1: Yeah, what what must Han be thinking?
2: I know, Han! I wonder if she'll come back to the Fast and Furious franchise. Han needs a happy ending. And I shipped them. They were a good couple. Yeah, better than this fucking thing. Yeah, this was a mess. What are your
1: a complete misfire, a total disaster, utterly without any redeeming merit or virtue? Describe death on the Nile. (laughs) (laughs) Now you.
2: Okay, let me. I gotta think of a fucking Egypt theme thing to say. Hang on. In Death on the Nile, any hope for entertainment sinks beneath the river's waves and gets eaten by crocodiles.
1: Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com.
2: You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore. And at Mystery To Me Podcast
0: on Facebook and Instagram.
1: And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at Mystery To Me Podcast.